Hello, my fellow Brappentonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings in the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Bueller of Asphalt and Rubber, and joining me on this two-wheeled adventure is the enforcer of fun, Mr. Shaheen Alvandi! Enforcer of fun. Do I get like a, a badge? And a stick, sir. Ooh, and a stick? Yeah. I twirl it around? You're fun not having stick. fun. Boof. Yeah. I like it. Um, Like little bunny foo-foo popping them on the head. <laughs> little brappy foo-foo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Bopping around the forest on his multistrada and not falling down. Good. I don't Good. like falling nice. down. That's yeah, just well done. Very hard. I'm old and things hurt. That was just contemporaneous, by the way. It was. You don't get previews of your superlative before the show. No. And you just you just acapella that Listen, show man, right there. We're, we're all about... We didn't even like practice our voices before me, 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 before. No, we didn't warm up at all. Mm, ah. It's a midday show. It's a little weird. It's sunny out. So bright out. There was no traffic getting to you, which was amazing. I still rode like an asshole because I have to make traffic, I think. Because you can. Because I can. (laughs) I think what it is, is my tires are pretty much roast on that bike. The tractor tires? And the tractor tires. (laughs) And I'm basically like, uh, you know, if it's going to ride like shit, let me at least. I'm going to ride this thing five hours north tomorrow, by the way. We should do like some sort of poll for what tires you should replace your bike oh, with. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. Adventure listeners. Like you want like a proper like 80-20 tire. I want a little more than that. A little not Something with knobs. Some knobby. Like yeah. maybe a maybe a 70-30, 60-40-ish. Yeah. Like a but TKC I want it to last 80. Bridgestone AX41. I looked at that. A Mitas EO7 Pirelli Plus. Scorpions, Metzler Keru 3. Yep, yep. Something. Not, not, a, not a Hide Now K60. No. Uh, ooh, a Michelin Anarchy Wild. Yeah. That's the other option. Yeah, we should. How can we do that? That's easy. Can so we, do that? Can we do that on Instagram? Yeah, I'll do it on Instagram. Can we do it on post. Facebook? Both. Okay. Ooh, you're going to have to do math. A little poll You're action. in charge of this. Damn it. You're in charge of this. All right, listeners, we're going to put up a poll later on when this comes out. And uh, y'all are going to help me, help me, help me find the right motorcycle tires that will please last more than 2,000 miles. Like, I want to do the rest of the summer on them. I'm not made of money. I mean, unless, like, Metzler wants to throw me a set of tires. I mean, if the people speak, right, the, the OEMs will answer. That's how that works. If you build it, they will send you tires. How does Dunlop not make uh, an adventure tire? I don't know. They don't, right? Uh, oh, uh, here's, they, they have they a tire that says adventure. What's this look like? It didn't sport, come up on my... Sportmax Road Smart 3. No, that's like no, a sport touring that's tire. That's a touring tire, yeah. It's trail Smart. That's that's a 9010. Yep, and that only and comes they, in specific sizes. That doesn't fit my big fat tank. Yeah, and then they go D606. What size does that come in? Explore. I have to explore it. Explore the check, tires. Check fit. I, I will say I do like Dunlop's site for info and stuff. So the studying that I've done for the last week to try and find the right tire. Is, oh my god, no! My, my choices are up to the, basically the the Michelin Anarchy Wild, the Mitas EO7 Plus, uh, the Metzler Crew Threes, but the Dakar version because they're for heavier bikes. Um, it's got a heavier sidewall. What size um, wheels do you have? It's have a, a 1917? Yep, 1917. 120 up front, 170 in the back. So you, they don't have a front wheel option for you. And for your rear, you're going to run a 13090? 
That sounds really narrow. That's I mean, I my bike wears a 170. I don't even think that would fit. Yeah. So Dunlop, you guys got to get some big bike adventure tires. Get in up your on this Dunlop. Come on, come on. And that's that's so weird because that's that's an American thing. What's this 908 RR? Maybe there's some love there. Uh, check fit. I think Dunlop basically makes sport bike, sport touring, cruiser, and dirt bike tires. There's nothing. But be- that's my that's my that's my my gripe though because look at look at what motorcycling. Yeah, see that 908 only comes in a 2118 application. Yeah. Yeah, I but looked at all these. But look at look at like the American motorcycle landscape. Like adventure touring's huge here. One of the top selling bikes in the US yeah. is the BMW uh well now it's the R twelve hundred twelve sixty, but the R twelve hundred GS has been bigger. You know, a staple. Look at the how many KTM adventures are being sold, how many multistratas. Yeah. I just did the BDR again, uh, and there was an a ten ninety R and a seven ninety R with us. Ooh, that little 790R. So yours truly, I was like, oh, cool. I'm just going to follow the 790R. And the guy that rides the 790R is pre- pretty good at what he's doing. And pretty pretty okay at motorcycles? Pretty okay. He didn't, he didn't do anything crazy. Except like he would hit these berms and just catch like four or five feet of air. And I'm like, <laughs> I got this. Except I weigh like 150 pounds more than him. And it's just like, dun, 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 dun. Is it like the final scene in Free Willy where he's like jumping over the <laughs> Yeah, my bike's Willy and I'm the kid, but I'm riding Willy. <laughs> Free, free, free. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I like that bike, uh, having now finally seen it in person. Uh, it sounds good. It rides really well. It is quick as hell. Well, so light. Yeah, it's super light. And it's funny because in my mind, it's like, oh, yeah, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. And like the guy would just lay on the throttle and would just like disappear. And I'm trying to do, I mean, he's got he's got knobbier tires than I do, so he's connecting and just hooking up and going a lot quicker than I am, but... Like, Are you saying right. your tractor tires weren't up to the task? They're just old. They're 10,000 miles old. I <laughs> <laughs> can't believe you have those. Listen, man, I get every ounce out of my tires. There's a lot of ounces. There's to many those tires. ounces in that tire. <laughs> that I don't know if ounces tires. is the correct um, unit of measurement. No, we're for that. tons with those tires. <laughs> Let's just go up. <laughs> Metric uh, ton funds. Fun tons? Metric shit ton, as my wife yeah. would say. T man. Hashtag. Um, but, but, but tell me more about your BDR riding. You, you, every time I get on social media, it's a picture of your bike in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So I get the impression. Beautiful scenery. I get the impression you're out riding a lot. Is that, is that real? It's real. Or is that Instagram real? No, it's super real. Okay. No, you know, I've I've learned Instagram real. Instagram real is when you're riding down a regular road and then you see like a pull off and it's gravelly and it's got a decent like view in the background. You pull off to that and get a picture and you're like. Get out there and ride more often, losers. The road less traveled by. Road less traveled next to the road more traveled is the road better traveled. I don't know. Which is, by the way, just just a little side. That poem is about a dude who couldn't decide which road to go down. Right. Just picks one at random and says, because I went down it, that was the right road. Exactly. It's it's total like circular logic, hindsight 2020 bullshit. Yep. The, the moral of that story is that nothing, the decisions you make don't matter. Nope. But everyone's like, it's the road less traveled by that it's made the all the difference. It's the one I did. It's the totally. one I took the best picture next to, so that's where you should go as well. And then you find out it's next to the fucking highway. Read a fucking book. Read Everything a you know fucking is wrong. book. By the way, that's my favorite sticker on my bike. I know. Um, of, of the many stickers that are on it. So we have a very simple rule of where to camp, and this sort of ends up dictating where we ride. Where we camp... Uh, our buddies came up with this rule. It's not my rule. I just adhere to it sometimes begrudgingly, but basically they want to be somewhere where there's no people 
Um, the campsite needs to be away from the road by a large margin so you don't hear anything go past you or people bother you or seeing their lights or anything like that. And then it needs to either have a view and or water next to it. Yeah, those are good rules. So those, those, are, rules. those are the four rules we're trying to adhere to. Now, they seem simple. They're basically four rules or three, depending on you know if you go only water or only good uh, good sites. But man, you start riding and you're like, this spot, nah, too close to the road. This spot, nah, no view. This spot, nah, too many mosquitoes. The mosquito thing's real. The mosquito thing's super real. Like we rode down this single track uh, trail for like a mile and it just was this beautiful meadow and just like the ground was covered in clovers. It was just like, this is Ferngully. This is where the fairies come out and sing you songs. Mm-hmm. The hobbits. Except they're not hobbits or fairies. They're fucking mosquitoes. Like literally we stood there for two minutes and it's like, zip, they all came out like, uh, guys, let's go. <laughs> this Fuck is not mosquitoes. the spot. <laughs> get I go, I'll go camp in the desert just to get away from the mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah. So that's that becomes a thing, right? You, you, where do you want to camp? And to me, what's the point of getting on the motorcycle and getting on the road less traveled only to park right next to the road and camp and have some dude with a this is lift, my lifted Dodge truck go past you and make lots of noise. This is I wouldn't say this is my number one Portland problem, but it's definitely a Portland problem. I have that whole like adventuring i got my subaru and we loaded it all up and we're going to go camping and it's like are you going camping or are you just trying to like set up civilization in the wilderness because i I don't know i'm I'm an eagle scout camping for us was hiking you know 100 miles into the sierra nevadas pumping water out of a creek where you're probably going to get jardia right (laughs) and like shitting it into a pile of rocks and just generally being miserable for, for 10 days with with only what you could carry in your back if you bring it in on a vehicle, like nope. I'm not quite not sure you're I'm not sure you're actually camping and, we, and then we if have, you're like off a road where there's like a picnic table and a fire pit and the a zip line right into there. the lake. Yeah, there's a <laughs> and there's a real bathroom. And there's you're families with kids screaming next to you and there's dogs barking every three you're seconds. You're just in no, a man. shitty youth hostel. You're you're literally in downtown Portland without any buildings. It's all the same shit with the same people. Um but they all have their Patagonia jackets on, so you know, they're for real. No, I think here's the thing, right? So we we downloaded the Gaia um, maps on our phones. You can download it for free, G-A-I-A, Gaia. Now you can pay, I think it's like $10 a year and have like all kinds of great features that come with it, which is nothing, but you basically go online on your computer and you download I'm these GPX right files. Yeah, you're going to do it. Uh, and it's it's a really great um, app for hikers or Jeep drivers or, you know, four-wheelers, whatever. And and motorcycle adventurers, and it just kind of has all these different topographical maps, and you can decide, you know, if I want to be at a high point, low point, if there's water crossing, and if there is, you know, a trail that's suitable to a vehicle on there. And I would say eight out of ten times, it leads us to the right place. The other two times, you just kind of turn around and say, well, that's adventuring. We got to go down this path, and there was a boulder in, in our way, so turn around. Oh, God, I got to sign in. I don't know my password. Gaia. I wish it, I wish I had like a crazy like adventure like drum song every time I turn like but it doesn't do that like Jumanji. <laughs> All right, this is gonna take too long for me to do this on air. It's cool though. I mean, it shows you like uh, potential campsites. It tells you if there's bathrooms at those campsites. It shows you if there's parking there. And as soon as we see parking, we're like, nope, <laughs> keep going. Yeah, yeah. I want to go elsewhere. Um, one of the guys in the group is adamant on finding the perfect place. And more often than not, we'll find a spot that most of us are like, yeah, this will do. And he's usually like, 
one more spot. <laughs> and so we ride. And every fucking time, he finds the perfect spot. So nobody argues with him anymore. It's like, you know what? You got the right idea. We'll just follow you. It's another hour. Yeah, the sun's going down, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> then we do. That, the camping sense. He does it. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what it is. He's He's been out there. He's, he's one with the wild. See, that's the thing about motorcycle camping that I think is pretty cool and why I think it's superior in a way to a lot of other forms of camping just because the motorcycle is such an effective way to get down the trail quickly yep. and further than anyone else is probably going to be like you can get to the more remote locations yeah. like what's another mile to you yeah exactly right and uh and it's fun getting there and then you can set up your thing and be you know farther away from other you know outdoorsy people and do your own thing and find that that view that no one else has seen right and like that for me i feel is such like an under i was gonna say under marketed i don't know if anyone's gonna be out there like marketing it but under appreciated benefit of a motorcycle where it's like okay if you're in a car you're only gonna go down the gravel road until it becomes like you know not flat yeah and then if you're hiking you're only gonna go however far you can hike in like a day or two because it's a weekend but on a, and if you're on a mountain bike, we really can't bring any gear with you. So, I mean, you're only really as much it. as you can carry in your backpack. Right, right, which is super limiting. So, you're yeah. like, you know, 20, 30 pounds. But on a motorcycle, man, like, you could go 100 miles down that trail yeah. and it can get into like gnarly single track woodsy stuff. Like, you could be at a lake that no one's been to in months, probably, except maybe a ranger or something like that. Every time I find a place, it blows my mind. Like, this is only two hours from my house. Holy crap. Yeah. It doesn't. No. No, it's, uh, it, it really. Um, it's a fun multiplier. That's the one that's, I was looking that's for. That's a perfect way yes. to put it, actually. It is a fun multiplier. Um, on that note, I am heading to the... It'll already be done by the time this is aired, I think, but I'm going to the Touratech rally. When do you leave for the Touratech rally? Tomorrow. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to. I'm going to try and get this one out pretty quick, but I got a couple other things I got to do today for the other podcasts that are probably going to eat up my time, so... Yeah. Wait, are you cheating on me? There's other podcasts. There's other podcasts. Oh, no, it's not all bitch. about you. Not exclusive. Uh, no, I, I got a I got a motor podcast interview with Ronnie Skaysbrook that needs to go out before he Ooh. wins the heavyweight class at Pikes Peak. Okay. Um, we've got some paddock pass stuff. We just put one out this morning actually for the Catalan GP, and we've got one from Catalonia uh, World Superbike. So we gotta gotta get caught up. Gotta get gotta get get get. But we got this show too. Um, but I'll get this out. I'll get this out. Like I think you can do it. Thursday I have faith in you. So I'm heading to Plains, Washington, which, by the way, I didn't bother looking at a map to see where it is until an hour ago. Is it? Is it Eastern Washington? It's no, no. It's it's like northeast of Seattle. Oh, so Canada. It's like a five. Basically, it's five hour. Uh, it's a five hour drive if you just take five north. Are you, how are you gonna? Are you gonna just highway it? Or? No, I don't think so. We're gonna leave tomorrow morning and just kind of maybe do a little BDRing and then go go towards Central Washington and head north from there. So I like, go through Yakima. Oh, okay. Yep, well, that's there it not, is. That's not north. I guess it's, I mean, it's sort of it's east, just, northeast. It's just, it's just east of Seattle. I mean, it's kind of northish. All right, fine. It's east. How are you getting that north? It's not north. It's not, it's like not at all north. Listen, if you look on the Google map and the little period over Seattle and the little period over Plains, Seattle's a little farther south by I mean, like it's, three miles. But yeah, hey, okay. technicalities, Jensen, you're all about them. <laughs> I mean the I would say the Seattle metro area. I mean, yeah. It is just barely north of Seattle. Fine. It's like right up there with uh, just barely north of Redmond. Just barely. It's directly east of Linwood. It's south of Everett. It is south of Everett. <laughs> By the same token that is north of Seattle. 
just a hop, skip, and a jump. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay. Well, that's gonna be fun. I'm I'm rather jealous of that. Um I wish part of me wishes that I could go do that with you, and the other part of me is so freaking tired from riding motorcycles. What you, yeah, have you I'm have cool you spent the last going. four days just hauling the old proverbial mail? I was hauling the biscuits. The biscuits? Were you making the gravy and the bacon? Whipping yes. some eggs? I don't know. Having a mimosa? If I I'm getting myself into I'm trouble hungry. with those euphemisms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just finished up a four day, four days straight on the racetrack. Uh, did a practice, track day practice on Friday to get ready for round four of Omra, which was the chicane at, at PIR. Whoa. Uh, two days of racing doing that. And then Monday, we were up at the Ridge with the Motocorsa track day, control riding. Um, What'd you ride on the at the ridge? Kramer. Oh, really? Yeah. I, was I figured too, you're gonna give that poor back a break and ride the Street Fighter. It misses tired. you. I was gonna bring the Street Fighter actually. I was too tired to load up the trailer. Why did to, I bring that bike back to you if you're not gonna ride it? Listen, all right. <laughs> I'm just upset that I have to give the bike back up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was um you missed a good good track day. You I heard it was up. amazing. Why didn't you come up? What were you I, doing? I'm I need to get a new suit. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Even my wife, my sweet, wonderful team hashtag or hashtag team man said, hey, do you want me to buy you a track day? It's like, well, you don't have to because I can. I used to work at Motocorsa. I'll just let me come in. She's like, so, what the fuck's your excuse? I'm like, I need a new suit. She's like, okay, I'm not buying a new suit. Yeah. <laughs> we should figure that out. I think we can figure that out for you. All right. I think we know some people. Yeah, I've got a set of um, takeoff um, slicks that I got to slap on the bike. Well, what's, what size do you put on your bike? 190s? Uh, 190, yeah. 120, 190. 180 or 190, but I have a, I have a oh, 190. Oh, I got so many 180s for you. Do you? Sweet. Kramer's just eating up 180s. Well, I don't want eating up ones. No, they're good. Uh-huh. Some of these guys are racing uh, like three rounds on a set. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I'm just I'm just spoiled by Pirelli. <laughs> they send me a new set every weekend. Nice. Yeah. yeah. They've, been re- they've been real good. Just, they've I'll been real good to me. the uh, asphalt and rubber racing program. Nice. Yeah. It's because you've been, uh, I, I was enjoying all your, look at that. Look at the number of, you're running out of space for all of these, these medals. Yeah. I'm actually, I got, I got shortchanged Why one. is your first place one hidden? Oh, I mean, that was just to get him out of the way so we could set up the room for the thing. This whole thing? Don't worry about this whole thing. This, this little guy? It's just the first place. Don't worry place. about that little guy. <laughs> it's just a little I don't want to boast. It's just, actually, you know, it's, it's middleweight, um, sportsman. So it's not like, you're not going to get too boasty about sportsman. By the way, I've, I've, I know I said it before on air, but I'm telling you again, so I'm held accountable. I'm doing Omer next year. Yes. Good. I'm doing it. Um, to the point where I'm taking my triple nine, I'm going to turn it back to street uh, form. What you, wait, what, you, what, you, what bike are you going to race? I'm probably going I'm, to... I'm weighing options, but either like an R6 that I can turn into a triple cripple. Yes. Come or, race middleweight with or me. Or an SV650. I don't think I'm fast enough to be a middleweight with you. No, absolutely you are. You can do, you can do sportsman. You can do, you can do middleweight. Right. I've been on the track with you. You can do middleweight pace. Okay. You're not going to win any races, but you're going to learn a ton. Did you hear that, guys? I mean, come race with me. I mean, you're going to suck, but you should come out with me. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't take that the wrong way. But like, <laughs> I'm not winning that any races in middleweight anytime soon either. Alex Taylor right now is crazy. Oh, as long as he's on the track, just forget it. Crazy just, just be happy that you got a second or a third. Our good, our good friend Alex. He lives down the street. He and his girlfriend take care of my cat when Who I'm are gone. two of the fastest human beings on the planet together. They are the Omra power couple. Between them, there's no one, there's no trophies left for but anyone else. But the two else. of them added together way less than me still. That's the thing. I was doing the math. I was just <laughs> guess guessing what Alex weighs and what his bike weighs and then what I weigh with the Kramer uh-huh. and how, like doing the 
the power to weight ratio comparison, yeah. I'm pretty sure the Kramer needs to make 95 horsepower for our power to weights to be to be right. What if? Or I need to lose. No, 60 pounds. Nope. No. <laughs> what if we invited Alex over to my house every night for the next month and I fed him copious amounts of butter and cream? No, that's what we're doing. I'm. I, I was like. Alex, you're going to become my new best friend so we can go out to lunch all the time and I can make you eat all feed the junk you, food I'll that I've been lunch. eating. <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to fatten you up. The guy's got such metabolism, you could probably feed him a, a triple bacon cheeseburger from hit the spot and he still won't gain weight. He's doing great. I think he's leading the Clubman Championship right now. Uh, he's been cleaning house in middleweight. He's on a cripple triple. So just to put it in perspective, uh, middleweight GP race, last race of the weekend. Epic battle, three-way battle for second between me, Drat, and uh jacob nice drap pulled me into the high 124s which i was pretty stoked on last year the guys were doing 125 wow the kramers so i was pretty stoked to get there and and to be racing drat because he's he's very fast and jacob's very fast and we had been around a minute we had a great just free-for-all i saw alex at the start i saw alex at turn one i didn't see alex ever again until the very end (laughs) putting down by himself 122s what the what and this is and this is an interesting thing to talk about because so what was it on practice on friday so i would never run the chicane before so that's why i did the practice day and i think it really does help get you up to speed for the weekend so why not spend the 200 bucks whatever it is for a track day learning the chicane i was doing 130s wow what a big difference track day pace couldn't follow anyone just trying to figure it out on my own Saturday, getting into the race, um, lightweight superbike with John Munns. We were doing like 128s-ish. With the chicane. With the chicane. Wow, okay. And understand like Kramer's last year were doing like 125s for comparison. With the chicane or without? With the chicane. Okay. Um, so, so they're going like, okay, I'm like three seconds off the pace the guys are doing, but they're pretty quick. If I can get within like a second of them, I'd be pretty stoked. Do a couple more races, um, middleweight, uh, super bike at the end of the day. I get in a good battle with, uh, guy, my mentor actually, Tulio, and he pulls me into, I think, a 126, like a high 126, like, almost, like really like 127. Um, and I was pretty stoked on that. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. You know, he's got a good pace. That's, that's about where I should be. I'm like, I felt like finally I'm on, I'm on track there get into sunday and now i've had like a whole basically the whole weekend of of figuring out the chicane and getting faster and drap pulls me into like 125 flat holy moly 124 high right and it was interesting for me to see that because it's like okay so 130 kind of learning it one or like on my own oh that was the other thing i had a lightweight race where i was completely by myself and i i was like sitting there going you know what i'm not going to just putt around i'm going to ride as hard as i can yeah and i did 128s and so that was the interesting, that was a more interesting reference where it's like, okay, on my own, after I finally have learned the course, I can do a 128 on my own. A little frustrating, but okay. But there's no real point of reference when you're well, on your own. Well, that's the thing. And then you get like someone in front of you that you want to beat. And right. I was highly motivated to to beat Tulio because it was um it was actually my last race as a novice. Ah, so it's fun to beat your mentor nice. as the last race as a novice. Uh, which uh, did not happen. He beat me by 29 hundredths of a second at the finish line. Right Thank, there. So thanks, close. Right there. Thanks, Tulio. Right heartbreaker. there. Heartbreaker. Total heartbreaker. So close. He couldn't lay off the gas for half a second. I didn't see him the whole race until the very end. <laughs> um, but I was chasing people down. It was good. 
Um, but it's interesting. So with little motivation, you know, you can get into like 120, 60, you can shave like another second or two. And then with a lot of motivation, go slower. And the thing that was frustrating for me was just the idea that I couldn't do the lap time on my own. I need to have that reference. I need to have the carrot. I need to have someone breathing down my neck. Yeah, that's where I'm at. And that's, that's like, you know, I think a lot of writers are like that, but it was interesting to really experience it because it wasn't like, I mean, I was really trying in lightweight. I was really, really trying, and I only did a 128. And right. then to see what having someone, you know, trading corners with you and pulling you along and getting into like a really close battle where you can like just, where you're literally just like, I'm going to sit on this dude's tail. And and if he crashes, I'm crashing too. That's <laughs> that's just the way it's going to be today. Um, to see the difference. And then to that makes you appreciate a time like Alex's where it's like a 122, which is already like, that's a pretty impressive time there, that's sir. insane. And then to understand that he's doing that on his own. There's no reference. There's no people like, you know, he's not going to get a draft on someone until like it's lap traffic. So how much of a draft are you really getting? Like that makes it even that much more. Impressive. Do you think if there was somebody that could do a 121, Alex would catch him? Absolutely. I think Alex has 120s in him. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable watching him race because he's just, and he makes it look so effortless. Like you know he's what, not even trying. You know what the worst <laughs> part is? He's so nice. He's so nice. He's so fucking nice. He's so God dang damn it, he's so nice. nice. Like, what are you supposed to be like? And he looks at you and he congratulates you. Even if he came in like sixth place, he's like, you did really well out there. You're like, oh, thanks, Alex. You were doing really good out there when I lapped you. You were looking really good. <laughs> I lapped you, but you looked really good when I lapped you. You, look you really looked really, really, you looked smooth. You looked clean. So that's the thing. So we're doing that that last race. We still, I mean, for, for fairness, it's a 14-lap race. It's brutal. And it's right. 14 laps of, we traded places two, three times a lap. Wow. I hope I know Drat has cameras on his bike. I hope he posts that up. I hope he does too. He's if you, every so often I'll go out on his YouTube. So good. It would have been a really good one to watch because he has front and back. Um, content. But, so content. E- even even still, with with us going as that hard, Alex finished like forty seconds ahead of us. That's the, I mean that's like two three seconds a lap. I got nothing. Oh my gosh. That's um, that's I mean kudos to the guy and 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 his, he's he's on the next level. He's and Hannah, level. his partner, is no joke either. She's crushing it in the in the small bikes. Although Paxton Gray came out with um, a pretty powerful KTM 390 and and cleaned up. But uh, Hannah's, uh, I mean, she's easily leading that that series. And yeah, she's and doing think, pretty is she on a two fifty? She's on an R three. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. why I thought she was on a Ninja two fifty. She was. She did two fifties last year. She might be. I don't think she's racing 250s this year. I'm so the 100%. R3 and the 390 runs in the same class. What's that? The R3 and the 390 yes. run in the same. That seems weirdly ultra lightweight. There's a weird. I don't know what the formula is. Like, what's it, the balancing it, it point? It kind of makes sense in the sense that uh, KTM 390 is. I don't know. This is where the dyslexia kicks in. It's either 378 cc's or 387. Um, but it's a single. Right. Whereas the uh, R3 is 321 cc's and it's a parallel twin. So you get a little bit of extra help with the extra cylinder. Yeah. 373 cc's, which in my mind is exactly like 378 <laughs> because I'm a visual person. Um, so there's a little bit of balancing in that. I mean, it that formula is super weird. And we've seen it in Moto America that they've struggled with the balancing on it. We've seen it in World Super Sport 300 that they've struggled balancing with it. Because it's hard of like, well, how much budget are you throwing at yeah. it? You know, if you have one team that's on a Kawasaki, like, 
how do you balance what that 400 is doing versus what the other guys are doing? Are they spending a lot of money? They're spending a little money. Right. It's tough. Um, and there's, I mean, we joke around about it, but the size difference between riders, right? I mean, that's real, you know? And that was one of the things that we were looking at, uh, Drat and I, because Alex is like, his trap speed was like 137. Well, mine's like 131, 132. I think Drat's like 133. And the only other person close to Alex's trap time is Julie Razzo. And, you know, she's got a way significantly less. She probably weighs 100 pounds less than me. Probably. And and so you can see like, and I know her bikes, Tulio built that thing. So you know it's going to run, run real good. So right. she's light and she's got a high horsepower bike and she's, I'm going to say like 135, 136 in, in the trap speed for that weekend. So... Weight plays a huge factor. Weight and size. I mean, you know, Drat's not a heavy person by any stretch of the imagination. He's pretty skinny, but he's taller. He's taller. I mean, I feel like Alex can just hide himself behind that bike way better than you or Drat. Imagine what kind of draft I provide, dude. uh, That's that. (laughs) You are who I want to be behind. (laughs) I'm stoked that you want to come out and race, though. I think Cripple Triple's like the perfect bike to start on. Um, the it's interesting. I mean. There's going to be different schools of thoughts on this. So there's obviously some some room for debate. You could start like Ninja 250, super cheap. You're going to learn corner speed. You're going to learn race. You're going to learn right. a ton of race craft. You're going to learn a bunch of stuff. There's certain things you won't learn on a Ninja 250 just because it's so much of that is about the draft and where you start and set people up. And it's just, a, it, it becomes a very um, kind of niche specialty. Right. Whereas what you learn in middleweight is going to have more, it's going to be even, I would say, more applicable to like a 600 or a 1,000. There's there's different overlaps and there's different diminishing returns and everything. So let's just sidestep those little caveats. <laughs> but I like I like middleweight just because it is a little bit more uh, on your own and you're going to get your battles and it's a higher horsepower bike. And especially like someone like you, like you could, you could be like the best rider in the world and on a Ninja 250, like, you're going out there 150 pounds heavier than yeah than Hannah right like it's just not going to happen yeah and that's it, why I'm trying to be in the middle I think because it'll allow me to have a good learning curve still mm-hmm. but not be frustrated that your I, physical dimensions aren't going to yeah. hold you back as and much. and by the way I started working out in earnest uh in a, a couple of weeks ago I started doing the couch to 5k exercising oh yeah which is just going out and running but this program just kind of gets you out there. So I'm hoping that by the end of week nine, I can actually run a 5K. And so I'm wondering to see if that'll get me to the point where I can maybe lose 10, 15 pounds. Yeah. Eh. We should we should go work I out I still together. like double bacon cheeseburgers. So I know, that's the like, problem. I know. Mm, so good. So tasty. So good. Yeah, I need to... Doing the math on the power to weight, I was like, oh, mm, a couple pounds wouldn't hurt. Mm. There's a part of me that wants to find a bike that weighs the same as me just so I can be number one to one. One to one. <laughs> Here, you know, the thing, truthfully, though, this is one of the things I really like about racing and... It's very much a personal thing, so I don't know how much it applies to everyone else, but I like having uh, a goal. Mm-hmm. I'm very goal-oriented. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I've been wanting to to lose 20 pounds for a little while now, and it's like one thing you like, do the diet thing, you, you know, you clean up your food, drink less soda, blah, 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 go to the gym, all those things. And it's hard to like be motivated just to be like, oh, I want to look good naked, so right. I'm going to go to the gym. Right. I mean, some people can do it, and don't get me wrong, like that, there's motivation there. But for me, there's, there's a no lot more goal. motivation of like, you know what? If I lose like 10 pounds, 
That's like having two more horsepower on the bike. Two miles an hour or more on the trap speed. Yeah. I'm going to get like a mile an hour or more on the trap speed. You know, that, 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 that guy that you were, you were drafting behind who like you couldn't, you know, you couldn't gain an inch on them, but you're, even though you're in their draft. <laughs> right. No, that would make the difference if you just lost a few more pounds. Yeah. So go, go run fatty. It's like, you know, you're good at corner speeds and you know, you're good at breaking corner speeds, but I just need a little more tra- trap speed. I look at all the guys I want to be and they're like legitimately like 30 pounds lighter than me. Oh, yeah. And I just sit there and I'm just like, it would probably be easier if I uh, lost some weight. Oh, every time but I come to an reason. Omer race day to watch you guys, I'm like, God, I'm the biggest person here by a long stretch. Yeah. I have 240 pounds of bacon cheeseburger. But I'm stoked that you want to come do it. There's been a lot of, it's funny because I spent a lot of time this weekend talking with people about like getting more racers or getting new riders into racing yeah. out of track days and into racing or why they're staying in track days instead of going racing. And there's a lot of conversations that kind of spiral from there and like what's going on at a macro level in the industry and racing as a whole, what's going on on a micro level at our club here in Oregon. Um, so it's cool to see someone like you that's been a track day person here and feeling like, yeah, hey, I want to step up with that. And I've had a couple conversations like that lately. Yeah, nice. Um, I will say just just a plug, Ooh. the way Omer works, yeah. when you come in as a new racer, you get to say who recommended you. And they get, I think, two free races for like three weekends. Somebody give Jensen Beeler two free so, races so next year. So you better put my name down. And if I can get a couple more, then like I've got like half a season for free there. Nice. And that would uh, that would help the old um, nice. racing budget very much so. so I like just it. Just saying. Just saying. Just a little, a little daddy yeah, just saying. gets a little piece. Daddy gets a taste. <laughs> um but yeah i had a good had a good weekend racing um i was a little frustrated my family came out that was really good that's super good um i was a little frustrated saturday just because i had like two heartbreakers um very narrowly lost my lightweight race and uh uh when you say lost you mean like came in second or just came in place oh yeah that's not lost i mean i I guess second is the first loser but still yeah i i it, we had a great little moment at turn seven on the final lap where I tried to make my my move. And That's a hell of a spot to make a move, man. I thought about it a little too much. And then when we got into it, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I thought about it too long. Were you trying it. to make your move before the turn or after the turn? I was trying to make my move into the turn. Wow. So I was about two feet a foot or two feet further back from the other rider that I'm, then I would like to be to make a successful kind of stuff pass on right. the brakes, late brakes into the turn. If I was like another foot or two forward, I would have been like, yep, I got you. You know I'm here. I'm here. I'm in control of this turn. This is my turn now. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Got you on the brakes. My turn, bitch. But it was, it was, it wasn't. But it wasn't so far back where it's like, not going to make this turn. Not going to make this move. You know, he's got me. He's not going to know I'm there, blah, blah, right. blah. It was just right in that little like play zone of like, mm, maybe if he's on, if he stays on the brakes really late, he probably won't see me. But if he doesn't, if he does like a normal one, he probably will. If I break a little bit later, it might be an issue. And I'm just sitting there in my head, like doing the calculations and my brain just took a little too long. Cause I think if I just gone for it, yep. we would have been fine. Yep. But I thought about it a little too long, and so I hesitated just just for a moment. And it was just enough, like as we went into this into turn seven, which is a very so to, to put it into perspective, we come down the back straight. You're doing like a buck twenty or whatever it is, um, and then there's a pretty hard braking zone into a quick left right chicane, and then you do the final turn, which is turn nine onto the front straight. And it's a great place to pass, but um, I mean you're you're 
going from yeah buck 20 down to about 70 80 miles an hour so yeah. you're, you're shedding a lot of speed grabbing two three gears um and yeah so we start we start turning in and i'm just sitting there going like i'm like my front wheel is like in the right like by his knee basically where his basically where his body would be and i'm just saying like mm, if i stay here this could be really bad <laughs> and it didn't really look like he saw me and I was just like, yeah, we're going to come together if I keep this up. So I just checked up a little bit. He got the turn. And you then... thought about putting a horn on your bike. Boop, boop. Just a little beep, beep. Yep. Coming through. A little, through. little beep, friendly. Beep, beep. Meep, meep. And that was, uh, <clears throat> and that was one of the things like where I had, I had made a lot of ground up in the last two laps to get there. So it wasn't like he really knew I was there. Right. Um, just sneaking on. So yeah, that was one of those things where like everyone went home in one piece and that's probably more important. Yeah. For a little plastic trophy, but. It was tough because I finished like three tenths of a second behind him, and I really wanted to win that. I haven't won that class yet, and I'd like to. That's one of my goals. Sounds for the like you're close though. I'm right there. Uh, well, when Matt shows up, he destroys us. <laughs> but um, and then and then Tulio with that twenty nine hundredths of a second. Oh, good so gracious. close. So frustrating. Ugh, you could have reached out and touched them. Yeah, but we had a good battle in the race after that, uh, and I got him back there, so that was good. Um wouldn't say i did the best passes i had a couple passes that were a little questionable i really had to work for that one but good good weekend racing a little frustrating but good ended on a on a high note with that that battle for a second in the last of the day like that's that's what we gotta get you guys like i think i'm Sorry. learning i'm learning so much doing it and just that one race itself like pushing i learned how to push so much more into turn one which then you carry all the way through two and three um, learning so much more about turn nine that race, just watching like watching people that are faster than you, yeah, and and forcing yourself to kind of get out of the comfort zone. One of really our uh, buddies went ended up going down on turn nine. I heard on his Aprilia, yes, and his airbag suit saved his hide. Bum, yeah, bum. he had kind of a, a crazy crash. Um, so uh, glad that one was was a positive outcome. Yeah, we had a I couple saw the crashes. pictures of his bike. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, he's at turn nine. I'm like, oh, it's scary. <laughs> so. Um, good weekend racing. We've got a, a night track day next week. Are you coming out for that? I'm gonna come out just to hang out. Just I don't think I'm gonna be riding it. Yeah. Oh, because we still gotta get the suit. Yeah, we gotta get the suit. I don't think we get the suit by then. That's okay. But um, I'm trying to make a bike night out of it. Oh yeah, hey. just bring out a a huge crew of people. Yeah, make it social. I will. Come out party. Yeah. What if we can get like a food truck? I bet. I know a couple of those. Yeah. Yeah. Be interesting. I'm looking forward to that. It'll be interesting. Pir. I keep um I put a new master cylinder on the Kramer. That okay. made a huge difference. Nice. Cause on the clutch side? No, on the on the brakes. Oh. So my my big project this year, that bike is pretty much rad out of the box. Um no mechanical issues this weekend, this last weekend. That was the thing. Ran like a dream. Everything Perfect. we did for the fuel filter and the pump, that that was the problem for sure. Uh Hannah helped me get my suspension set up for my weight. Finally, I've been running Super soft suspension. Oh, really? You had to swap a spring out of the out of the rear. Um, finally got the sag and everything set up. Like it's just kind of funny that like it was that not set up for me and we we're still doing okay. Which is part of like truthfully, I think that's part of the journalist, moto journalist toolbox that I get to bring to the party right. where it's like I'm pretty used to riding motorcycles that aren't set up for just, me. Just pick one up and go ride it. And and different ergonomics and different setups <laughs> and all those things. Like like swapping between bikes is a pretty easy thing to do now in my head, which is ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Bliss. Huh. Um 
but we finally got that set up. But the big change we did was we put a, a Brembo 15 millimeter RCS master cylinder on the bike, which is what you kind of want to want when you've got a single disc. Yeah. Uh, it comes you with the pad or no? I was still running the Brembo Z04s, okay. which were done after that that weekend. Uh, in fact, I had to uh, cannibalize some di- uh, pads off of uh, another bike to <laughs> do the track day on on Monday. So thank you to Motocorsa for for helping me out on that one. Nice. But uh, yeah, it's funny because the the weak link on that S model is the single disc and it's the brakes, and that's it's a track day bike and it's fine. But the one thing that about it that if I can talk a little Kramer smack is it comes with a 19 millimeter master cylinder, which you just shouldn't use on a single disc bike. That's designed for overwhelms a, it. It's a two disc bike. You just don't get any feel. Right. Um, and really like a, a single disc bike should have a 15 millimeter or 16 millimeter master. And that made a huge, huge difference. And that actually made me really happy with, with the setup. And now I think we're just going to do a caliper and I think I'm there. I think I'm pretty stoked on it. Hmm. Um, so that development's coming along pretty well. And then I ran, I ran all my races on pump gas. That was the other thing I was pretty stoked on, uh, knowing that I was like, okay, I'm five horsepower down normally from where I usually am. And I always thought that was like your secret, uh, sauce, my pump gas, no different gas. I don't know why I thought you were going to go to like some magic formula, no, evil scientist gas. No, we're going to do a, a gas test for one of the stories for AR Pro and and get a bunch of different fuels and run them on the dyno and see what they do. How does one read an AR Pro article, Jensen? Well, you have to sign up for AR Pro, ah. asphaltandrubber.com slash pro. That's good to know. We'll get you there. Yeah. Nice. Um, in fact, I got to write a couple stories for that this week. Mm. Some interesting things going on. In fact, I want to talk about one of those topics later in the show. But, um, yeah, no, this weekend, uh, um, well, I won't be running the fuel that I had issues with again because I don't want to deal with that nonsense again. And I will say that is probably my fault. It's a very UV sensitive fuel. And apparently, like one hour in, you know, even a translucent bottle and it's what? pretty much toast. And that for me is like, I don't care what, how great your fuel is. It's just too high maintenance. Like, can we just wrap your, uh, your, Fuel canisters with like painters tape. Yeah, probably. But even <laughs> then, like, like, what if there's like a little crack in between and oh, like boy. it's just a little too high maintenance? Because even the fuel that was in my tank, my tank is black. Like right. it doesn't let any light in. Still went bad because I saw it coming out and it was because like, you opened the cap at one point and yeah, the light went in. Something like that, right? You know, it's just <laughs> silly. So it's like that's just a little too high maintenance. And truthfully, I never really saw like a big performance gain with it. Yeah. So we're gonna try some different things. Um. So yeah, they I couldn't get an alternative fuel um this weekend. They were they were sold out. And uh so it's just like, well, you know what? Let's just try the weekend with it was just ninety it was ethanol free. I you know, I still paid like four dollars a gallon for it. But I was just like, let's, let's just do that. Cause it's 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 good to know, especially like that race for for a second where it's like um you know, Drat Drat got me by a couple seconds. He kind of got away from me in the last two, three laps. Um but you're just sitting there and you're like, you know, like I can smell his fuel. He's running like T4 or U4 or something. <laughs> it, smelled, it smelled leaded. So, so it might sweet. be, I think it's VPU 4.4. You're like, that's going to make, that's going to make some more horsepower. Like there's probably like a legitimate five, six, seven horsepower difference here. Not to mention, you know. If that's how it was a mile an hour more than you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's nice. I'm like, oh, hey, you know, you've got room to, to grow here. Mm, could be interesting. Could be it's interesting. Good it's good. Time. Little baby steps. You kind of, kind of yeah. edge your way forward. Yeah. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, speaking of fun, we should talk about the Pikes Peak 
international hill climb because that is going on right now, sir. That, that, there is some. I saw some times, and I didn't think that the Street Fighter prototype and the Tuono V4 were going to be that different. Like I thought, maybe like a second or two difference, but. What was the time you saw? Was there about a six-second delta? Yeah, I was going to see if there's times from today. The times from yesterday, which was Tuesday, uh, Carlin did a 409.5. Rennie did a 415 flat. So five and a half seconds difference. Yeah, and then and then uh, who's riding the, the Multistrada 1260 Pikes Peak? Uh, Cody Vescholtz. And he's, only, he's right there on Rennie's tail. He's right there. Um, so, seven tenths separate. So a bigger, them. heavier bike. That's not. That's actually not as powerful. I don't think. I mean, hard to say. I'm, I'm not looking at stock bikes. Stock bikes for sure. Right. And street form the yeah. Pike Speak 1260 is supposed to be about 160 horses. Yeah. And I think that Tuono V4 is more. 175, yeah. I believe. 177. And it's like a that. smaller bike. Yeah, much smaller. slick looking bike. The the thing that uh, Aprilia did was beautiful. It's got gold wheels on it. I had a message from someone at. Piaggio North America saying, check this out. I think they did that just for you. I think so. I appreciate that. Uh, is there times from today? Oh, it's just cars. That's right. Bikes are... Oh, no. Is these bikes? These look like bikes. Here we go. Carlin still crushing it. 234.45. Cody was 238.7. Rennie is all the way down in fourth. Whoa. 240.23 so he's like I wonder six if he's having mechanical back. issues um and the weather might be changing you know like i wouldn't read i'm not gonna read that much into it to be really honest when's the official time like when is the actual race uh the race is sunday okay because they have saturday off friday i think they do the fan thing downtown or maybe they do the fan thing saturday i know they i know they did get a day off i can't remember if it's a, a total day off, or if they have to do the fan experience downtown. I'm sure. I'm sure there's. It, it's um, got to be crazy over there. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm not that surprised by by Carlin's pace. I think that was going to go without question. That I mean, Carlin's a super talented writer, but dang, dude, that much of a difference. Uh, I'm going to go back to what I was saying. I think this is going to be 200 horsepower bike in street term. It could be. <laughs> you know, it's not crazy. No, it's not crazy to think that. If if Ducati really wanted to come out and like be like, there's the line, yeah, here's boys. the line, fuck face, cross it, I dare you. you. Know, that'd be good. <laughs> that'd be good marketing. Um, hmm. Mm. I'm putting my hat on. I'm putting my little Ducati hat on. Okay. You know, if I'm if I'm Claudio, what do I think? I go base model Street Fighter Street Fighter S. He's gonna do a base model Street Fighter S. 185, maybe 190 horsepower. Very nice. Pike's Peak version with the Acropolis oh, exhaust. Oh, oh, oh. I come out and be like, with the exhaust, two hundred eleven horsepower. Yeah, two hundred and something, <laughs> two hundred and four horsepower. And that'll be a twenty six thousand dollar bike. Yeah, and in reality, it's just the fact that they put an exhaust and they chipped it. Yeah, it's not and any a cool paint job. The, the paint job always stickers make you more powerful, Jensen. Plus five horsepower. Plus five. For period. Yes. Um, for every Brap Talk sticker, it's plus six horsepower. Oh yeah, I'm gonna put those up on uh, on sale here. You can put those where they at on Etsy. I'm just gonna put them on my little Etsy site that I have going already, okay. and we'll just put a little. We'll put a little link. shout out on yeah. Facebook and cheap two dollars. Yeah, shipping included, as yeah. long as it's in the lower forty eight. What about the upper forty eight? I'll probably charge them like 
thirty cents, forty cents shipping. Is that Canadian coins? Because that's like that's no real American, like North America, freedom dollars. Amer- yeah, USD as they say. Okay. And then for Europe, I think there's like a standard dollar fifty charge if you want to ship parcel, like small parcel like that. Okay. So I'll just I'll set it up accordingly. Okay. Yeah, I like it. How well, about yeah. this? Two dollars each, or if you want three, five dollars. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I've got about a hundred of them to give. Yeah. I just picked them up. Um, and we can make some t-shirts. They're ready to do t-shirts. some t-shirts for us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We're going to work on some designs. Yes. So you're hearing it now. First time live. Boom. Exclusive. Exclusive. Prap Talk t-shirts. Prap Talk t-shirts. Got to get the Prap Talk t-shirts. Put your Prap Talk t-shirts on. Yeah. You're going to be faster, cooler, and uh, more interesting. Plus five horsepower. Plus five horsepower. <laughs> uh yeah i'm stoked that you're you're doing that god knows i don't have enough time to, to to do all that you have a lot of time stop it i'm so behind i'm so behind i'm just gonna crawl into a hole um yeah i'm very curious to see um how this all plays out for the pikes people what's the weather doing what's the dude the weather over there's so just i've never seen weather patterns like that I, I, it's because of those mountains. It's like it's beautiful. Now it's death. Now it's beautiful. Now it's death. Hold on, I'm looking at the the weather report for. Can I do Pikes Peak, Colorado? Will that pull it up? Is it Colorado Ooh. Springs? Is basically Colorado it. Springs is basically it. yeah yeah. Oh no, it's doing Pikes Peak. Uh, what day are they gonna run? See, this is the thing. Sunday. I'm looking at Sunday, and I got a little rain thing. Oh yeah. Sunday, fifty uh, percent chance of rain. Yeah. In Colorado Springs. Percent probability. Although it looks like it doesn't really look like it's going to rain until after lunch and they race in the morning. But you've been there and you know when they say 50% chance, they mean at like, I guarantee you at 10,000 feet and plus yeah. elevation, yeah. they're going to get some shit. They, so at the finish lines, I bet it's going to be colorful. That could make that could make all the difference in yeah. the world. So mm, be very interesting to watch to see what happens there with the, with the weather. And because uh, I remember... Was it the last year I was there? It was one of the years I was there. Um, the day we had off that Saturday, right. a huge rainstorm came in. We had perfect perfect practice week. Huge rainstorm comes in, comes in, washes basically all the rubber off the track. Oh, and good. the track Sunday was super super green. Shit. And people were slipping and sliding. And um, I think that was the year. Like I think that was the year Carlin was on the electric bike, and he just barely missed being. Um, setting a record, like an outright record on it. Right. Uh, I think he still did a sub ten, if I remember correct. If I remember correctly, it was like a nine fifty eight or a nine fifty nine. But he would have broken the outright record probably if that rainstorm hadn't come in. That's the that's the thing with racing at Pikes Peak. You just never know. The you weather know. is uh is the wild card there. Carlin told me once, you know, you're not racing against your competitors. You're racing the mountain. Yeah. And it's very very true. You're racing the conditions. You're racing the elevation. You're racing what um, the lack of oxygen does to the bike, what the lack of oxygen does to the rider. Uh, there's no other bikes on the course with you, really. I mean, no, maybe it's the lower you levels, mountain. you know, there might be someone that kind of comes through, but yeah. So speaking of electric, it sounds like our buddy Corey West is yes, riding the doing? zero. What is he riding? I think uh, it's the zero. No, he's riding the zero. I'm trying to see what his times were. Number, he's, <laughs> he's number zero on a zero. That's pretty clever. All right. Who came up with that? You guys, <laughs> you guys win. He is. Oh, I can't count this many. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven ish. Um, he's doing a four forty. 
So he's about 30 seconds off Carlin's pace, but there is no shortage of bikes below him um, on the timesheet. So, like regular internal combustion bikes? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's pretty oh, impressive. Corey's a damn talented rider, too. And that was Tuesday's time. Where was Monday's or Wednesday's? Yeah, that's cool. And that bike looked good. I like what they did to, to clean it up a bit. Yeah. Um, Maybe they should do that for the street bike. They should it do that for a street bike. Pretty sexy. Um, All murdered out. And I know Zero's got a good history of racing at Pikes Peak. And I like that they've, I wouldn't say like done it officially, but they've kind of helped their guys out that are doing it. And I like that they keep coming back every year. I'll give them that. Yeah. Um, he was doing a 251 today, so about 15 seconds off the pace. But hey, he's making progress. He's ahead. Of, he's just ahead of Michael uh, Woolaway on his crazy Ducati Custom, that uh, Street Fighter that thing, thing he built. Dank Wooly. Yeah, he's tenth. Corey was tenth today. So looking good, you know. I think the zero is gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be competent, you know. It's a little silly. They make them run these like weird sirens. It just sounds because they can't hear them on the course. Yeah. So you just hear like kind of like feel like an ambulance is coming. <laughs> but um, I mean, what sound do you want it to have? I don't. Well, I mean, I guess there does have to be a sound. Maybe if it had a cool like lightning and thunder sound as it went through the mountain. Just play some Taylor Swift or something. I don't Whoa. know. <laughs> just you know like whoever you can get the rights to taylor's probably a little too expensive, too expensive. way too expensive um she's kind of a hard negotiator if you if you ever worked at spotify she's a savvy business lady yeah she's got her her shit together but you know if you can find something you know um john philip Sousa, there's gotta be something that's royalty free <laughs> that you know like pulled off the catalog donezo um but 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 pike's peak i'm super glad i'm not going because I like to sleep. Um, Wooly's bike looks so good, though. Did you see these photos of this thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, I've been. Yeah. My God. My God. That's the kind of motorcycle you expect to see at like the hand-built show. Yeah. Except it's running up Pikes Peak, so it's clearly it's a functioning, beautiful piece of art. See, this is this is my kind of custom. Like you want to, if I could, if I could be tour at CC for a day, right? I'd have way more fun. That's for sure. <laughs> I'd have way more fun. Um living his life he has more fun than me is what i'm trying to say uh he's living his best life uh, he's, he's you know but i would that's the kind of bike i would want to do a show on like race bikes and like proper sport bikes like for me i get off on seeing something that was just built with the idea of going fast and still has like some artistic flair right i do like looking at like a world super bike or a MotoGP bike where you're like oh yeah check out those carbon discs and Oh, look at how they did that little that little pivot to do Those the little swing arm. That's look sexy. That's very interesting how they mechanically set that thing up. <laughs> but like a bike like his where it's just like, I was just here trying to make the fastest damn bike I could. And I'm an artistic person, so it looks good at the same time. Those are always the builds I like the most. Um, I would want to curate a show of that. Why don't we do that? Sure. The The... A&R slash Brap Talk bike show. Functioning bike show. That's the, that's the only thing I like about those bike shows. A lot of times you look at it, you're like, does that run? No. You got to ride it here. What's the point of it? You do a show, but like on the Friday night, all the bikes have to dyno. Oh, yeah. We'll bring a, a mobile dyno in. Yeah. Oh, dude. Doesn't matter what you win for best looking bike. You get to win a best dyno. There's bike. definitely be a horsepower prize. Oh, hell yeah. And maybe we do classes. I don't know. I like it. Just yeah, play. single, we'll twin, figure it out. 
Triple four. Like racing classes. Got your 300 class. Oh, you're going to go size wise. Your ultra lightweights. Okay. Okay. Your middleweights, your heavyweights. The open open class were superchargers and nitrous. Yeah. Yeah. Could be Bring your drag bike out there. That would be cool to do. Dude, that's such a. That is like a. I would imagine whoever is actually in charge of the one show, because I can't imagine it's tour. It's got to be multiple people. That's a that's a huge show that's being put together. It is a year long endeavor. Like you've got to be reaching out to builders, getting bikes lined yeah. up, guys who are midway through a build kind of thing. We'll we'll, we'll be ready in time in February. Um, getting the space, renting it out, finding sponsors. Yeah. That's a whole... This is why I never mind paying to get into that show. I know a lot of people complained about it, but that shit costs money to do, man. Yeah. You know, I and and I'm, I hope I hope that Tor is able to maybe pocket some of that money, but I have a feeling he's not. It's a lot of expense being put into that thing. I think they're making money on it for sure. I don't think they're losing money, but I don't think anyone's like buying a mansion up in the hills with it. No. Maybe a new bike. I think or an old bike. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I 100% agree with you. I, I think um well, and the issue too is the crowds were so big. You had to have some sort of rate limiter for people coming in. Right. Cuz I remember the last year it was free and like legitimately the lines like around the block. I was still shoulder to shoulder this last this last yeah. year when I had to pay money to get in. It was like but 20 did you bucks have to or something. wait very long to get in. Because eventually you're going to hit capacity on whatever the fire marshal says. Right, right. And then it's like, you know, you can only come in when someone comes out. And, you know, if the crowd just gets too big, the only other thing you can do is like go to a bigger venue, which doesn't help you that year, or or charge. Like yeah. have some sort of thing like, well, either it's going to be six days now instead of three. And so maybe hopefully people spread out more or charge something nominal at the door or. I paid, I think, $20 to get in on Saturday night and. There was no shortage of crowds in that place. I mean, it was like, especially where there were the live music happening. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to rub shoulders with the Rolling Sands of the world and stuff like that. So that was kind of cool. Or rub mm-hmm. elbows, rub something. I rubbed his butt. Did I tell you that Roland was at the S1000RR launch with me? No. Yeah. We with, got to ride for Was he while. with A&R or was he just doing no, his no, own no. thing? Well, what do you mean with A&R? Like he said he was with you. So I don't know if he was with you with you or he was just there. It wasn't there in an asphalt and rubber capacity, but oh, okay. we, so we were out in the same sessions and rode with out, each other. Both hands together. Yeah. He comes by me. Roland's fast, right? Oh uh, yeah. He comes by me and he's going pretty good. And you know, we're both going into turn two, which is just kind of like weird. Turn two, turn two, turn three. And it's like you're leaned over, and it's it's kind of like you're spending a lot of time on your knee, and you're kind of adjusting your line on your knee, and and he's, he's cooking the cooking the beans, and I'm just like, who is this idiot? in jeans and a jacket and it wasn't zipped together kind of thing and i'm like who let this guy out on, knee the, on the ground or no knee on the ground what like the going the whole thing was he wearing his own rsd of gear i don't think i don't think his knee was actually on the ground i don't think he had sliders but he was holy right, shit right over there <laughs> and uh, third rolling them into it <laughs> and he come in and it's and it's rolling and i'm like what the hell are you wearing he's like oh yeah these are prototype you know, Gene, this is like a prototype outfit. I just wanted to see how it was on the track. And he's like, I just can't ride 80%. You know, I have to go like 100. Otherwise, You're dressed like, for 50%. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting there going like, I'm like, dude, if you crashed, it would have been a really bad day in the office. Jeez. But um, but he's at a different level. Yeah, so yeah, it's, well, that's the funny part where he's just like, 
like he felt comfortable at that pace and i'm kind of like yeah i'm kind of maxed out like you're pretty you're pretty quick yep yep, yep. i got a little pucker action happening just thinking about the it the jeans are pretty cool it's like this weird kind of like jean leather hybrid thing i don't know if i'm supposed to talk about it oh huh Whatever. Just bleep out. <laughs> Talk about it, but bleep it out in the <laughs> final edit. Sorry, it's the jeans kind of a beep, 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 beep. Anyways, yeah. it's pretty nice. No, it was cool. It was cool <laughs> to ride with him and he's he's quick and he's a good dude. And so um but it was just funny because there's no like, who is this squid guy coming through? Fucking rolling sand. Why Look is this squid so fast? He <laughs> was like fucking proper. Um and he like changed out of his leather. That's why I didn't recognize him. I think he was like done for the day and was just gonna hop out. But um Oh, yeah. Wow, that, that segues really well to the next thing I had coming up. Ooh, I didn't even, tell I didn't even us try to more do about those. Let's talk about safety. Yeah. Um, Roland could have used one of these just to be on the safe side. Di- this is the stupidest name. Just straight up. Dainese Smart Jacket. Not a jacket. It's, it's a vest. Yeah, but it's just... It is smart. So smart jackets are vests. I think... I can't remember arms. if you and I were talking on air or after or before a show uh, about... Um, what gear you wear and like getting you into an airbag because you oh yeah it was, you, it was you, pre pre show we're just talking nine about times today. out of ten I see you in like an icon jacket yeah I have I have the icon uh uh Raiden sort of like adventure gear because it's sort of like an over jacket with an over pants that I wear you know I wear like over my knee and shin protectors and stuff like that mm-hmm. but I've had that gear for. Couple of years now, and you like it, and it works for you. Yeah. But the downside is, is no airbag. Icon None. doesn't have an airbag solution. Nope. You're, you're kind of SOL. Yeah, I mean, and I've got as much protection as I can put underneath that thing. Sure, but only a couple of brands have airbags, and that's that's the way the industry is right yep. now. So that's what. And then this came out like the next day, and I was like, I, I thought of you when it came out because I was like, this is what Shaheen needs. Yeah, because then you can wear whatever jacket you like, whatever brand you like, whatever fits you well, is your style is already in your closet is obviously a huge thing right but you want that extra safety that airbags bring to the table maybe don't want to go buy an alpine stars or dinese maybe don't fit into them whatever it is here's an option for you so this is this is now making it where you can wear this vest under just about any how does it fit because i i feel like you need to get like one size bigger to fit all the mechanisms that's the really interesting thing um and I haven't had a chance. We're gonna. I think we're gonna get some sent to us. Okay, that's my understanding. I just got an email today about it. Um, so that it can be worn underneath the garment or over it. Oh, either way. So I guess like I have a really tight fitting Dainese jacket that yeah, there's just do. no way it's going to anything's going on underneath that thing. That thing's Italian cut. So I'm like, I'd have to wear this over. That makes sense. But I also have like a pretty big kind of winter jacket where this would fit under it. Yes. Yeah. So you kind of have to like pick your battle on that one i'm a little curious to see how this is going to work in reality for everybody I'm, I'm curious too i had one question that was asked of me a couple of days ago about the whole airbag thing because one of our uh one of my buddies who listens to the show was listening to the last time we were talking about this and he he had an interesting question because we ride a lot of adventure so do you think this uh, how are these bags or not bags the the suits um set up and programmed far as when they go off because if i'm just going like 10 miles an hour or five miles an hour and have a slip and go down i don't want this you know to have this whole thing go off on me yeah so i wonder how they have it set up like is there a way of saying oh i'm just adventure riding and you don't need to be going off every five seconds when i slip over a rut and fall down so i don't know the exact specifics but i do know that 
they do have like kind of a cutoff, like nothing below 30 miles an hour gets an activation. Okay. And I don't know if that's 30, 25, if it's like 50 K KMH, right. what it is. But I do know there's like a minimum speed you have to be going. And then from there, the algorithm is looking at what your, like your velocity, your body. Yeah. Velocity is. What your angle is and how quickly you're accelerating and, and all that jazz. I do have that same question though. Like, um, Someone was asking me the other day if I was wearing my airbag suit when I did the six-hour endurance race. And I said, no, I was wearing my normal one. Because truthfully, like, I don't wear it when I'm riding supermoto because I crash just about every time I go out on my yeah. supermoto because I'm going so slow. I feel very safe in that regard. Right. Um, and I just don't want to be replacing my airbag every time I go out, basically. Hey, you're not going fast enough to like do serious damage. I mean, you can get hurt. Like it's not like the best option, but I need that airbag. I'm I'm more interested in having that airbag when I'm out on the track with my Kramer than yes. I am on my Supermoto. And I need to make sure I have it for my races. I'm more I'm more worried about crashing in a race than I am on a supermoto practice. If I had all the airbag suits in the world, that might not be the case. But I had that same thing where it's like, you know, would it go off in an air and a supermoto crash or not? Like, I don't know. And is it going to go off like dirt bike riding? You know, where like it's a lot more dynamic right. and the, the bike's moving around a lot and your body's moving around and you're changing your, you're standing up, you're sitting down, you're, you're more of a dynamic position. I, I don't know. That's a good question for Dainese and, and Alpine stars. Um, and I have yet to see anything that's like really like, adventure algorithm right. street because i know they have a street and a race algorithm and i know they're very different not like very different but the parameters are substantially different um and so i don't know i don't know if they've sat down and really figured that out and it, truthfully it might be really hard to figure out because it's super dynamic out there well and just like thinking of like all the obstacles like you know uh 30 mile an hour crash in the sand might not be that big of a deal, but a 30 mile an hour crash in the woods. Yeah. Like in a rocky train or yeah, there's you're hitting trees a tree or yeah. you're falling down a ravine or right. something. So that's kind of, that's a more, there's more variables there. It's, it's interesting. Um, I mean, I think I'd rather have a false positive than a false negative. Yeah. And I but, think, so is this a smart, smart jacket vest? Is it the same idea as the suits where once the airbag goes off or if the airbag goes off, then you can just send it off to them and they repack it for you? Yeah. Okay. Does it have dual stage on it? Do you know? I think it's just one. Okay. Dainese has always been one. Um, yeah. The only thing that's really interesting for so that me. That means it goes off once and that's it. You have to send it in and have it repacked. Yeah. You can't have two offs on it. Right. Okay. The only ones I've seen that have two are the race suits from Alpine Stars. I don't think they have it on the street side. Mm. And I'm not even sure if the race ones are consumer level or not. I'd yeah, I guess the race one, it. I mean, the, those athletes can get back up and kind of do their thing again. Yeah. Usually. I mean, that's the funny thing. Like it's, there's so much, this is what I love about this space. Cause this, this vest from Dainese is a direct response to Alpine stars kind of vest that's interchangeable between like a street jacket and a race suit. Right. Um, Alpine Star system is a little bit more modular and Dainese, and, and I think Dainese saw people gravitate like, oh, I can buy like three jackets in a suit and they all, and then one airbag vest and use it in all of those. Yeah. Yeah. Sign me up. That sounds right. like a way better idea. Yeah. It sounds like it is. Is I it mean, proprietary to like, does it have to be zipped into a specific jacket or can I wear it? No, it has to be like in one of their jackets that's tech air equipped because you buy the suit and the right. airbag separate. 
And after playing around with it, like it sounds a lot better on paper than it is in reality. It's a little bit of a hassle to to deal with. So this version, though, the Dionese version, sounds like you can kind of wear it under anything. Anything. Assuming that like it fits. Right. But it doesn't have to get zipped up for the magnets to line up properly so the thing starts right. doing its right. Right. Um and funny, like if it probably doesn't fit under the thing, it probably fits over it. You would imagine. Yeah. But I mean, like you said, most of our, you know, winter cooler weather riding gear tends to be a little baggier because we're used to wearing like yeah. sweatshirts and stuff like that underneath them. I have a jacket that I love to wear that would totally fit an airbag vest underneath it now, which I'm like, that'd be rad. We should get a set of these and test them out. Yeah. Well, I, I don't mean, really... I'm doing so much BDR riding this year. <laughs> I'll probably end up testing it out whether I like it or not. Yeah. So I, I, I think this is a game changer. I, I said that when the first airbag jacket for the street came out, I was like, your leather jacket is now obsolete. Yeah. You got to go buy one of these. And that's exactly what I did. I bought the Masano D-Air and I have a um, another Gore-Tex one whose name I'm forgetting, which I love. I should I should know that name because mm. if I love it. Cyclone D-Air jacket. Love it. Love it. Cyclone D-Air they just dropped like a thousand bucks off the price too. Dang. You gotta get you gotta get on the train. This is the future. It's uh this vest is six hundred euros and seven hundred dollars, depending where your market is. That's still cheaper than my deductible on my healthcare plan. It sure, it sure is. And, and I'm thinking of like, you know, a couple of years ago when they started coming out with the D air and the tech air stuff, you know, on average the jackets were you know, $1,500 or so. So now this mm-hmm. is basically half the price. Mm-hmm. And if I mean, you already have a jacket you like, just... Yeah, everyone's got a jacket they yeah. already like, right? You're going to spend the money on something. Might as well get something that makes sure you can keep riding. Yeah, you know what? Like, I think all my gear... I think I still have all my gear from my very first motorcycle 18 years ago. Like, gear outlasts the bikes that I buy. Oh, yeah. So why not make the investment in yourself and your safety... Yep. And have it over the aggregate of your riding career, then then to try and skip. Like that was always the thing. Like I get like, hey, if you've only got two hundred bucks, then yeah, you're gonna buy a two hundred dollar jacket. I get it. But if you have the option and the ability to do that, like riding a motorcycle over an infinite period of time, your survivability goes to zero. You're going to crash at some point. Uh-huh. Why not be prepared for it? Why not have this technology? That is going to very likely save you from a broken collarbone or or worse. You know a thing or two about broken collarbones. That's the thing. I would. I mean, I'm so stoked <laughs> that this is like, like this is this would have that whole ordeal was man. After it was like thirty thousand dollars or something yeah. silly like that. So you know, here here's my argument that I had about why I bought the Icon gear because for the price, it did the same thing that all the other more expensive waterproof gear did. Ish, I would say. Ish, right? But I mean, within within reason, it 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 cost half as much, but it did more or less exactly the same thing those other ones did. There's no such thing as perfect gear, but it, if I have the option of getting that airbag vest to put underneath that jacket, I'm going to continue on wearing that jacket. It's comfortable. I know how to wear it. I know how to you know what ex what to expect out of it. But I didn't see any reason about like spending a thousand dollars or even eight hundred dollars for a Gore-Tex some other brand jacket that's going to more or less do the same things. Cause I ended right. up wearing, you know, the same protection underneath this jacket that I would underneath the other one. So I didn't see it. I didn't see the, yeah. If you've got a jacket that's high quality, so the seams aren't going to burst right. and, and, and all those things and has 
CE2 armor, like if those things are all equal, then you really aren't going to see a big difference between brand to brand. No. And a lot of it's going to be style. It's going to be fit. Some of it's craftsmanship for sure. And that's why I say like all things being equal, but I think you're right in that sense. And then to say like, and then you can go and put this in underneath it. Game changer. Game changer. Absolute game changer. Cause I like, I wear my, my, you know, dirt bike gear underneath my icon jacket uh-huh. when I know I'm BDRing cause we, we like to go fast sometimes and do, you know, whatever. But, and it just, I look like an idiot when I'm taking everything off cause it takes me like 10 minutes to disrobe. But while I'm writing, I'm not worried about it. I'm not as worried about it as like, oh, if something happens here, like, I'm more concerned about scratching my bike at that point because I feel like I'm as protected as it gets. So I feel like if I have that airbag vest, complete game changer for me. I'm, I'm actually looking yeah. forward to getting one of these. Yeah. Uh, that for me is like, and then the price, I think the price is right too. Yeah. It's just, it's just really smart. Uh, huh. Smart jacket. It's, it's not see, a jacket, see, though. It's they not just a jacket. Said, you just did the thing. It's a smart jacket. It's not a jacket. It's a vest. Somebody at, at Dionese's marketing is just, they just got goosebumps. I don't even know why. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. No. And the thing that I'm super stoked about is Dionese and Alpine Stars one up each other every year. And now it's like, okay, Alpine Stars, what's going to come out next? Yeah. What do you got? Yeah. What do you got for me? Who's next in Show this, me something in cool. this uh, arena? Yeah. I think uh, airbag pants. That's the next thing. Yeah. Protecting your hips, protecting your femur. Yeah. Um, I would love to see some sort of active airbag technology for your head. We've been talking about head injury a lot. I just don't understand how that hasn't, especially with Dainese and AGV being under the same roof. How has someone not been like, hey, you know that technology you guys got? That you've already done all the hard work? <laughs> you did all the hard work. You, not, you I know, feel like they're working you on it. Your, it's just too big. It's got to be. It's such an obvious thing. Yeah. They've got to be, right? It's just probably too big. Can you imagine how big the helmet would be right now to be able to? No, 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 no. Have you seen that Swedish one for the bicyclists? No. It's like a collar. It looks like a scarf. Oh, yes. I have seen that one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they've got a patent and all that and all that thing. So that's going to be like, you got to work around it, but, or work with them. But I mean, that's, that's not super bulky and that ends up being basically a helmet. It looks like a football helmet. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a cool. That's a cool technology. Those those two ladies that came up with that are are smart cookies. What was that movie with um, Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes, where they were frozen oh. and they go back? Oh. Oh, or they Demolition go, Man. Demolition Man. So John Spartan. Yes. <laughs> you can take <laughs> this job and shovel it. <laughs> do, do do not use three seashells. <laughs> Taco Bell ends up being a high end. Taco place. Bell was the big end winner. Uh, I know. One. So the whole, the one thing that I took from that entire movie was when they got into a real crazy severe accident. Yeah. The entire interior of the car like got filled with this crazy foam. Yeah. And it saved them. Yeah. And I was always like, why isn't this a reality? Why isn't this a thing? I mean, airbags aren't that different from that. They're not, but it's not all encompassing. It's not all encompassing. Around. You're right. You're right. But it's not that far off. Like the, the foam is definitely the next right. level. You're right. Like, and I wonder if that's going to be the next thing in our suits or in our helmets, just like a foam that just suddenly goes and you're completely filled up and there's nothing that could, it's just, imp- I guess the worry I would have is how do you breathe? But that's the only question I would have. Yeah, that'd be a thing. I watched uh, Dune the other night. I haven't watched that yet. Don't. Okay. All right. Horrible Thanks. Movie. I appreciate that. Did you read the book? No. Oh. Never mind. <laughs> Conversation's over. Need to read the book, sir. Um, but, 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 speaking of books to read, Harley Davidson confirmed small displacement project for Asia. This is a huge deal. This was a huge deal. Harley's looking at other markets such as China, which is a huge market. So 
Oh man, it's how do I pronounce? I looked this up before the show, and I, it's been too long. Isn't it the Qingjian? Q I A N J I A N G. It's funny because a lot of times you just see it shortened down to QJ. Yeah, QJ. Because they're like, listen, uh, listen, good old QJ China. So this, so straight up, it took five years to Chinese. I still can't pronounce this name. And to be fair, Cantonese and Mandarin, same written language, different spoken language. I mean, yeah, basically. But even like, like when I was hearing the pronunciation, Russian. I was like, oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I can't say those words. But very interesting. So that so for people that don't know, that is the Chinese company that owns Benelli. And they've been making some really interesting bikes lately. Um, Benelli's kind of like, it was kind of like the joke, like weird Italian brand, you know, really small bikes aren't like bikes aren't reliable, but they're really beautiful. Right. And um, eventually kind of goes out of business. Chinese brand buys them and it's like basically just buying the brand. And so, like, they're, like, rebadging Chinese bikes and selling them in you know, Europe. And everyone's like, oh, the fall of Benelli. Huh. And then, but, like, slowly over time, the bikes kept getting better and better. But now, like, the bikes that they have been coming out with, everyone's like, wow, that's actually a really interesting machine. Like, mm-hmm. the you'd be all about the, what is it, the 502 Trek, I believe. You see this beast. It's just a middleweight adventure bike that looks really good it looks like it could go do the thing like i would totally ride that oh, yeah, before look at that thing. Whoa. i hopped on like that bmw 310 gs nonsense yeah. that they're doing um and so you're sitting there like yeah okay benelli's kind of making some interesting things and it's all because of of john jang and now harley davidson's gonna partner with them to make a like a 300 what was it a 388 338 338cc displacement bike, so like a 340, like right. an XR 340 type of bike is kind of what they're showing for the renders. And I sit there and I go like, good partner, good partner to have in China. Small displacement bike, perfect for that market, looks like a Harley. That's a market you have to be in. Yep. And then you can sell it to the rest of Asia and get on that thing. And the thing, Jaheen, that I thought was most interesting, at no point did Harley talk about the American market. No. It's not like, hey, we're going to make this bike in China and we're going to sell it in the US and Europe. It's like, nope, this is just for Asia. That's I mean, that's a that's a huge market over there. It's huge. They I mean, don't they don't need to they don't need to water it down by saying, "Oh, also western world." And their whole stick is that um what year is it? 20 2028. Why is that stick in my head? 2027. By 2027, they want half of their sales to be abroad. Wow. Which is I mean, they're kind of close to that now. I think it's like 60-40. Uh, and some of that is going to get helped as U.S. sales keep dropping off. <laughs> You'll eventually get to that to that goal. But you can tell Harley's focus is on foreign markets. And if you're going to pick a foreign market, Asia is the one you go after. Yeah. And for me, like this is this is a signaling of Harley's like the new Harley. You know, and and for me, looking at the fact that like they're not coming to the U.S. like that to me is just tariffs, Trump, and labor unions. Because mm-hmm. the labor unions would have a fit if a bike being sold in the U.S. wasn't built in the U.S. So the hardware's just like, no, we're not going to do it. And we're not going to deal with this stupid trade war. And we're not going to deal with the stupid tariffs. And we're not going to deal with, you know, Trump saying, you know, like we should boycott Harley. Fine. We'll just make this bike. We're going to sell it everywhere, everywhere but here. Yeah, to a three billion <laughs> yeah. population market. Who who buy motorcycles and so that's the thing I was gonna say I don't I don't know if the the Far East is like the Middle East but where I'm where I'm from in the Middle East 
American brands have a, a lot of weight behind them. They do. If you if you drive a Cadillac, you're like people look at a Mercedes like it's a pile of shit next to a Cadillac or a Buick or a Dodge or anything like that. So I'm wondering if having and and the, the Eastern world more often than not having a big shiny beautiful thing it, it you know it's a way of being able to validate all the hard work you've done. So to be able to say you have a Harley Davidson out there is probably a pretty huge deal. So to now finally have a small Harley Davidson that is going to be right at home in the streets out there and the way people ride, I think this is a brilliant idea. Yeah, I think it's a game changer. Um, I'll be very, I'll be very curious to see. Um, well, here's you're you're kind of a Harley Davidson guy. You, you worked at a dealership. What what do you think the reaction is going to be from the Harley Davidson faithful, or do they even care? Is this even something that's on their radar at the end of the day? I, I think the ones that read these articles are probably uh, I need to word this carefully. I think they're they're probably aware enough to not care as much because it doesn't affect their market in any way shape or form. Hmm. Now, the ones that are like super faithful and they're all Harley Merc and stuff like that, sorry I got bad news for you. Half those parts on your bike are not American made. So like it's not uh, it's it's a non-issue as far as I'm concerned, but that doesn't mean that some of the old school Harley riders aren't going to throw a fit about how their brand is being watered down and it's not an American brand anymore. So I guess they can go buy Indians next. But but we've already but yeah, talked Indians about, are going to start getting made in, yeah, in Europe and other places too. I mean, they've already got a, a plant in Poland. It's only serving the European market. Yeah. But what do you think? How long do you think it's going to take before those bikes start showing up in the U.S.? Oh, it's going to be a while. But remember, we've talked about these people the the ones that would potentially throw a fit at something like this they're a dying breed they're not they're not and harley's smartening up by saying okay these guys are buying the bikes that we make we need to focus on a new generation of buyers and apparently according to whoever is doing their accounting a lot of that's going to be in asia mm-hmm. so that's a smart business move as far as i'm concerned it doesn't mean it's going to hurt what we've got here if you're a big cruiser air-cooled fan then guess what that's still available here for you but as a company, I think that's brilliant of them. I think this is this is the new strategy. Like Harley, you could, I'm really bullish on Harley right now. And we're going to do the live wire launch here in Portland in two, three weeks. And I'll be really curious to sit down and talk to them. But I'm really bullish on the moves that they're making right now because it's what we've been saying. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing like groundbreaking. There's nothing revolutionary. It's not like, oh my God, that, yes. It's the stuff we've been saying over and over. But the fact that like there's still brands that like have to get with it. We just saw that just uh, just a couple weeks ago with MV Augusto, where it's okay. just like, did did you not get the memo that uh, alienating women is probably not a great idea right now? Did you not get that memo? Because we're trying to do a thing where we get more women involved in motorcycling. <laughs> Inclusivity uh, great, is key. Great way to double your sales. Getting getting women on motorcycles. Just saying. Um, so you do see like some kind of like hiccups and trip ups, but like Harley like everything that like the whole new business plan is like yeah we're going to get minorities women younger riders involved yeah we're going to get into the asian market smaller displacements production outside the u.s yeah we're gonna you know get outside of just cruisers we're gonna have adventure bikes we're gonna have street fighters we're gonna have sport bikes got to be in that pipeline somewhere by 2030 or whatever we're gonna get in uh right we're not gonna have just gas bikes we're gonna have electric bikes too and our first bike's an electric cruiser and then we're gonna have you know a scooter type model and a small displacement type model and a Mm -hmm. middleweight type model and blah 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 it's like every one of those things that we keep saying that the motorcycle industry needs to do. Harley's finally like, yep, okay, we're on board. Let's do it. B 
because the ship is sinking. I love that. I wonder. I wonder if it's because the ship's sinking or finally somebody in marketing and or just the company head said, hey, if we're going to survive this thing, then we need to think way outside of the old school box. That shit ain't working anymore. Yeah. No. We got to do something new. So, yeah. Meanwhile, you've got, you know, a small company like MV putting up a naked girl on a motorcycle and thinking that the only way a woman should be represented on a motorcycle is by being draped over it. Whatever, man. Good luck. But that doesn't mean Harley didn't used to do shit like that, but they've no. turned that ship around. They're trying to turn that ship around and doing something new. And I'm noticing a lot of other brands are now doing that too. They're they're trying to say, oh yeah, inclusivity. Yes, you as a female rider should be welcome to ride and we're going to make motorcycles that will fit you and you feel comfortable riding on. And Take it back to gear. Um, oh, yeah. A, uh, 10, 15 years ago, if you, wanted to, if you were a female and wanted to ride motorcycles and wanted to get gear, you had like, Two or three options, and it was all in pink. Yep, and Still did it probably well. didn't fit you very well, and it just kind of sucked. Like it was really hit or miss. And now, you know, just about every brand has a pretty robust female line with different colors, and not everything's in pink. And hey, I can get this in black, and get it in white, and get it in green. And yeah. uh, they starting to realize, like, hey, if like you build it, they'll buy it. And it took a little time for that to like prove out. And I think that's going to be kind of the same with this, but. I mean, I can see from a sales perspective, you know, currently female buyers are still not 19%, up there, right? Nine, yeah. So 19%, it's a it's a much healthier number than it was 10 years ago. And I'm hoping next year or, or 10 years from now, I guess, realistically, we can say it's 30% of the of the buyer group. So if you're if you're as a manufacturer of gear looking at that number and saying, okay, less than 20% of the buyers are going to be female, then I'm going to put all my resources into the male buyer's gear and then only 20 percent of it towards the female buyer but that's sort of a short-sighted way of looking at it because that's going to make a future female buyer look at your gear and go fuck there's nothing available for me why would i want to invest money into this this sport right it's i can't imagine that it's easy as a company to put resources into a into this thing that you might see as a void because there's no solid numbers there just yet right there it's you just looking into the future and saying gosh, I hope more female writers are going to get on this, but it's going to be the way of doing it. And that's the argument we've always had against any dealership and brand is that it's really easy to get caught up in the short-sightedness of doing business. If you And once you get caught up in that, it's just a vicious cycle. It's hard to get out of it. And then once you get caught in it, now you're missing out on what's going to happen a year from now or two years from now. So I think Harley maybe has the luxury of having so much money and so much backing. And they're like, you know what? We're going to change things around all together. I get the distinct feeling that someone in Milwaukee did like a 10-year projection. And they like got to the end of that 10th year and they were like, holy crap. Like no one buys our motorcycles. Maybe it's 10 years, maybe it's 20 years. But, you know, looks down there and says like, this is a graph that eventually ends at zero. Mm-hmm. That's not good. And Harley's still got a fair amount of business. They still bring in a fair amount of revenue. They still have a fair amount of cash on hand. And yeah, you know, I kind of liken it to the to the Titanic, right? <laughs> the Titanic saw the iceberg before they hit it. The problem was that the ship was so big that you couldn't turn it away from the iceberg in time to avoid hitting it. Right. So there was that delta. There's like this awkward t- point in time where like you know you're about to crash, but it hasn't happened yet. But you can't do anything about it, and so it's like this inevitable thing that's going to come. And I think. At Harley, they, they've caught the problem just in time where it's like, hey, we know we're going to run out of business in 10 years, but we still make money now. 
We still have revenue now. We still have cash on hand now. We can do something about this. Yeah. But we got to do a lot of things. We got to crank the wheel of the ship all the way over to like throttle. (laughs) Yeah. All the way over to the left to avoid the iceberg on the right. Otherwise we're going to crash into it. And it's, and it's adding a lot of motivation. And, um, it's just interesting to me. Like, like there's gotta be that time period. Like, you know, if they wait too long, it doesn't matter what they're going to do. Sales will go so far down that the company is going to be upside down on its, its revenues and it'll be operating at a loss. And it's like, Oh yeah, we could totally get out of this problem. If we had, a hundred million dollars to throw at it. Right. We could fix this if we had a hundred million dollars. It was like, but we're like negative 90 million and no one's going to give us a loan. Right. Um, but now it's like, like this is the point in time. Like it has to work now. We've got enough cash. We've got enough time. So they're just like everything, do everything, you know, diversify riders, diversify lineup, diversify countries, diversify displacements, diversify business. It's interesting. Be curious to see what, what sticks against the wall and what doesn't. I mean, I, I likened Harley once in an analogy to a shark, right? And, and all the little companies are like the mora that are around it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if that, sh- if that, like you said, that big ship, the shark turns and goes a different direction, these other companies will eventually do the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's inevitable. If if the biggest if the biggest company is doing something and you see it doing it well, then you're going to try and get little crumbs of that pie as well. Especially, uh, yeah, especially if like Harley's business starts turning around because like all of a sudden like their female ridership goes up to thirty percent. Yeah. Everyone's gonna be like, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Yeah." Harley Davidson got women, more <laughs> women on their bikes. Like, if they can do it, we can do it. Right? Let's get on that. Let's throw some money at that. Oh wow! Like uh, Brazil turned out to be a big market. Yeah, let's get in on that money. Like, it's interesting. I remember working at Harley. One of the biggest draws for you know majority of the female riders who were let's say shorter than five foot six was that Harley makes a ton of motorcycles that has super low seating mm-hmm. height so that it mm-hmm. you feel more comfortable because a, a new rider has a propensity of wanting to put both feet down, right? There's a there's a security behind that. Well, you just feel, yeah, you just feel so much more in control of the machine and the weight. Whether it weighs like 800 pounds as a Harley or not doesn't even seem to matter at that point because they have full control over it because their feet are on the ground. Well, just imagine like the Goldwing is not the tallest bike, but because it's so heavy, like if that thing was up a couple more inches, like I'm I'm a big guy. I'm six foot two. I've been riding motorcycles for a long time. Like I'm very comfortable with these things. Mm -hmm. But even then, like... I remember when I had a passenger on the back of it and you're like, eh, you know, you really got to mind the, the weight. And the, I remember the BMW was even worse where I was like, man, if I get this thing past like 10 degrees, it's just going to fall over. <laughs> Coming back is going to be hard. Yeah. You know, it's just so the thing that I noticed though, like working at a Ducati dealership for the last four years is the number one complaint most shorter than average riders have is I, there's nothing in the showroom that I can fit on comfortably. There's nothing in the showroom that I can feel secure while I sit on even here on the showroom, not moving. Yeah. And so, you know, my excuse used to be, well, yeah, these are, you know, high handling motorcycles and the seat height's higher because you got to have, you know, a certain way of sitting on it, et cetera, et cetera. Cool. Yeah. That, that's a neat excuse to use for like a super bike. But when we're talking about regular daily riders, I'm hoping that these other companies will start looking at a brand like Harley and say, there's got to be a way we can engineer the way you sit on a motorcycle that allows a shorter rider to be able to be as secure as they want to feel, but not have to give up handling. There's got to be a way. Like you did a track day on a Gullwing. I'm not saying that's the thing that you should be able to do, but you did it yeah. and you had a decent time on there. That's riding that bike above and beyond what the average Gullwing rider will ever do. But the point is it did it. So you don't need to have a bike that's got a 32-inch seat height on there for the average street rider. It would be this would be a great story to do. Look at all the bikes on the market and right. look at all the seat heights and see 
where are they stacked out? Because someone made a really good point to me. You know, if you, what, what's the average inseam for an American? Average inseam. For like a male American. writer? Because I mean, I'm sure they're very. I'm just thinking in general, American male. What is average inseam? I bet it's like 30, 31. Uh, 32-ish. Uh, like I'm six foot, I'm six foot, like almost six foot one and I have a 32, 33 inch inseam. I have a 32 inch inseam too. But think about that though. Like we're we're tall guys. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying, like, what's the average? Is it maybe it's 30? Is it 31? 32? So if you know. have a 30 inch inseam and you're sitting on a 32 inch seat height, that's not a straight shot to the ground. No. That's you sitting down and then having to spread your legs out to yeah. make up for the bike's width and then reaching to the ground. So now in effect, your 30 inch inseam has become a 28 right. inch inseam. But now try and think how many bikes have a seat height less than 32 inches. Like that'd be an interesting graph yeah. to see because because if we're saying like, hey, 32 inches is pretty tall, but the average seat height is 32 inches, like we're we're off there. And that's that's a really interesting point of note where like, you know, not every guy is 5'8 or taller, 5'9. Right. And, and think about that, like, that's like pretty much like how many women are that? Like even fewer. Yeah. And you want to get more people on motorcycles? How about just making them like no one's making an iPhone that's three feet wide for a reason. <laughs> right. right. They're not easy to handle. You know? Um, why are smart cars not selling very much? Because I don't know. They're too, too damn tiny. They're pretty big in the interior. They're I not fit in them. They're not <laughs> they're not uh, that was a bad example. I think BMW is one of the brands that sort of, um, addressed that issue with their big adventure bikes. Cause you can buy a, let's say a Lower GS. Seat height, yeah. yeah. You can buy a low GS or a high GS and the low GS, like my buddy who's riding to Alaska right now, he has a low GS cause I think he's like five foot eight, five foot nine. Um, but he can handle it. He can go off road on there. Uh, I mean, we just did the BDR together, and he had no shortage of space or ground clearance. So clearly, BMW's figured out a way of engineering the bike where you, as a shorter rider, can still sit on it and feel okay doing the thing. And he's got a GS Adventure, so it's got the big fuck off tank on it. Um, you know, it's funny when we did the Moto Guzzi V85 TT launch. One of the things they talked about was the seat height. How like they're like, hey, we want to make it. I forget what they came down on. I think it was a 32 inch seat height. Mm. That was very important to them. They were like, and we want to make it really narrow. Like, yep. cause we want to make this bike as approachable to as many riders as possible. There was like five criteria. And one of them was being able to basically the average person being able to flat foot the bike when they're sitting on it. Yeah. And you think about that, you're like, yeah, why isn't that the most, one of the most important things that in should be talked about across the board by every manufacturer. Yeah. And it shouldn't only be cruisers. Like you, sh- you're, you're, and that's the thing, right? That's the thing that kind of bothered me while I worked at the Harley shop. Their only option for a short rider to be able to buy a bike to be able to fit on properly was a cruiser. Well, now you've given up any sort of handling. Granted, I lived in Florida and handling is really not a thing, but I still did track days. I still, you know, wanted to go out there and have a good time on a motorcycle. And sorry, but on a Harley Sportster, just pulling out of the driveway, I'm scraping the foot pegs. And it shouldn't just be a, Little bike thing. Oh, hey, I'm going to buy a Ninja 300. Yeah. So that, that'll have a short seat. It's like, no, like skill level and height slash inseam yeah, are not completely codependent <laughs> right. of each other. Exactly. Codependent, co-independent. Co-independent completely independent of yeah. each other. Whew. Got that right. Easy. Whew. Easy, boy. <laughs> well, I'm still a little tired from the, the track day. Um, Seat height, though, on a Ninja 400, just about 31 inches, just under. That's not bad. Not bad at all. 
I mean, I still think a little shorter might be better. Yeah, but what's on a ZX-10R? Ah. What if what if a, a friend like ours, like our Hannah, who, by the way, rides one of the tallest motorcycles on the planet, but, and she's, how tall is Hannah? Five? Like five foot, negative five, three. Five, five feet and a half? Yeah, like, she's, she's, say five, five. I think I gave her a couple inches, but five, five. But she's such a, she's such a, and a, and a good rider that, you know, she's been doing it for so long that she doesn't mind putting one foot on the ground and like hanging off the bike off of her knee. Yeah. But it looks kind of ridiculous when she does it, but she still shows and proves to people like you don't need ZX-10R to be tall. ZX-10R is two inches taller. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Why? I don't know. I just lowered the seat on my Kramer. <laughs> and you're tall. And I'm a tall dude. But I lowered it just because it felt weird. It just felt like your ass is too up in the air and it felt like it was too far. I wanted to sit more in the bike than on the bike. That was one of the things I, I changed. But like, it's an interesting. It's an interesting thing. I would love to talk to a product manager at an OEM about this sort of thing because it's fascinating. Just fascinating. Food what, for thought. What would be a bike that should have like a normal height? That's just kind of Z nine hundred. What do you think that is? I don't. I'm on Cowie's side, obviously. So Z nine hundred. I bet that's sitting at like thirty and a half. I think it's taller. I think it's really? like thirty two, thirty three. I, I sat on one. It didn't feel that tall. 31.3. Oh, that's pretty. But still, like that's a little tall. It's over 30 inches. That's that's the whole thing. Over 30 inches. If the average American inseam is 30 inches, why is every bike seat over 30 inches? That's a good question. We want answers, people. Give us answers. Call us. Um, what else do we want to talk about, Shane? Are we done? Or we want you got another thing in you. We're kind of I'm good. I'm I'm excited to go out to a Tour Tech rally and meet some of uh, the people I've been watching on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh and and maybe learn I, I want to learn how to do a like a rear brake slide and then like take off fast U-turn. I don't know what it's called. Like a J-turn? Like a J-turn. That's what it's called. I mean, a J-turn's a little different. It's in a car and you're in reverse usually. Yeah. But on a motorcycle. Like so the idea is like you're going straight. You, you want to whip it around. You, you lock up the rear brake. You whip the ass end in front of you and then you gas it and drop the clutch and peel out and go the other way. You're going to end up on your ass. You better get one of those airbag vests. And you know, yeah. Dan Aze, send me an airbag vest because I'm about to get crazy this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will be at the track day Tuesday night. Nice. I will Portland. probably show up to that. Just to, I'm going to see if I can grab a group of people to come and party with us over there. I think that'd be good. Oh, shoot. There's a meeting tonight for the uh, Oregon lane splitting law is dead. I know. So there's Stupid. a meeting to go over there. I cannot that. believe it's dead. It's like one, it was just like one person in the legislature that was like, nope, not going to bring this to the uh, the floor. So I have dumb. power in the committee to stop this. You're so dumb. So probably somebody that knows someone that had someone in a motorcycle that got hurt once. I totally. Oh wait, no, that's. Yeah, that's that's tonight. I gotta go to that. Please go to that. That'll be interesting. Be we'll talk about that next show. That's gonna be really interesting. Yep. And then we go to World Superbike, and then I go racing, and I have Again? down here China with a question mark. Why am I going to China? Hmm. Interesting. So lots of things on the lineup here. Livewire coming up soon. So I'm we got kind some, of excited to see that. Yeah. Is it a local dealership? No, it's the international launch. But in Portland, I thought. But you in said Portland. That. Wow. Yeah, we're hosting it. What? It's like I just sleep in my own bed. Dude. You should come down and, and check it out. I'm gonna. Yeah. Send me an email with the times and I'll be there. Okay. Sweet. You can come crash the party. Um it should be good fun. I'm looking forward to I'm I'm really curious what that ride's gonna be. I'm really curious. Like, where are you going to go? I'm curious to see where they're like going. Because, like, the range, like, we're not going to go up to, like, St. Helens or anything. No? 
we're like maybe, maybe it'll go to the coast that's a pretty long ride you can't go that far either <laughs> but that's the thing like draw a hundred mile radius around portland and understand like you would have to have a charging point there for probably a dozen bikes uh it's I can't, like, I it's can't gotta be an of, out and back so what's 50 miles it's gotta be less than 50 miles because i'm not gonna want to take it to zero uh, I, I wouldn't so be shocked if they just do a like just an urban ride city yeah. ride nonsense total urban ride could be really interesting that'd be really disappointing but I think that's what's going to be that's my expectation I believe it we we wouldn't be able to get out to the Dalles would we that's too far that's that's 50 something miles 60 60 something. the Hood River is 44 miles from center uh, of Fort Portland that could be the ride that would make sense right yeah but just on 84 going 75 there's, there's miles some, an hour. There's some roads there's, you can there's Route take 14 out there. in, in yeah. the Washington side on the north side of the Columbia, uh, which is a beautiful enough ride. I'll be very curious to say. Very curious. Oh yeah. man, I'm I'm excited. It'd be funny if they start you guys off like farther out of the city so you can go somewhere neat and come back. Oh. Or we just like stage somewhere, like they just drop us off at Oh, I'm know, excited to Battleground. I'm excited to crash that party. You know. They bring all the bikes to Battleground, then we ride St. Helens, and then come back to Battleground, and then take a van back to this. Oh what if gosh. they just show up at PIR and you just do laps around PIR on this thing? That thing better have a little bit more ground clearance <laughs> than the Goldwing did. <laughs> it looks actually, I think it's going to have pretty good ground clearance. If I, if memory serves me right, sporty. like with the head on it, it's there's nothing really you're going to drag except like the inverter. Yeah. I think that's the, the thing that's going to touch the ground first, the housing for the inverter. I'm I'm curious to see how this goes. I'm curious to see what colors they bring out because all I've seen is black or that that orange. burnt orange color. Those are the two colors. Is it? Yeah. All right. Very Harley of you. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because I haven't seen that bike since I saw the prototype at at um, Sturgis 2014. So it's changed a little bit since then. I'm sure. I mean, yeah. that was five years ago. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, that one's gonna be an interesting launch. We get we're gonna get some answers from Harley on some Exciting. things. Exciting. Exciting. And ask the hard questions. The hard questions. What's the seat height? <laughs> What's the seat height? <laughs> How much wood would a woodchuck chuck of a woodchuck could chuck wood? I mean, what kind of woodchuck, what kind of wood? Ah, oh, damn it, you people with your questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the Monty Python. Well, what kind of swallow? A oh, red. sparrow. <laughs> a sparrow. Uh, African, African or European? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. know. Uh, what is your name? All right, sir, with that, what do we say? Safety third. Good talk. Bye. See you out there. Like little bunny foo-foo popping them on the head. <laughs> little brappy foo-foo. <laughs> yes. Popping yes. around the forest on his multistrada and not falling down. Good. I don't Good. like falling nice. down. That's yeah, just- well done.